Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today we're talking about immigration, the Latino vote, and Joe Biden, and how he's changed some of his stances on immigration over the past few months. Our guest is the executive director of the National Immigration Law Center's Immigrant Justice Fund, Marielena Incapie. She was instrumental in helping to shape Biden's immigration policy as chair of the unity task force of Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden supporters. She'll talk about that, and she'll talk about what lies ahead for DACA and whether President Trump's rhetoric on immigration will sway undecided voters in the Midwest. And now, here's my conversation with Marielena Incapie. Marielena Incapie, from your home in Washington, D.C. to mine in Oakland, welcome to It's All Political. Thank you so much, Joe. Great to be on with you. Let's talk about Joe Biden. Uh, there seems to be a lack of enthusiasm for him uh, among Latino voters. Now, I mean, of course, Latinos, uh, as, as do most voters right now, uh, prefer him widely over President Trump. But four years ago, Hillary Clinton got somewhere between two-thirds and 80 percent, depending on what poll you're looking at of the Latino vote. Now Biden's getting around 62% of the Latino vote or, or less. Bernie Sanders beat him in California and Nevada, and, and largely because he out-organized them in, in Latino communities. Why aren't Latino voters pumped about Joe Biden yet? You know, I think it's the same reason that um, lots of other uh, voters don't know a lot about Joe Biden. And I think that that is starting to change. I think his um, both the Biden-Sanders Unity Task Forces, which I had the great honor of co-chairing the one on immigration, mm -hmm. um, got, we had an opportunity to put out some really progressive policies, which he is, you know, clearly has now embraced. Um, the Latino agenda that he just published today, I think we're starting to see uh, a, uh, an effort by the campaign to reach out to lots of different communities, including the Latino community as well. So I'm, I'm hopeful that over the next weeks, um, as we get closer to closer to the election, that Latino voters will truly understand that it's important not only to uh, be against Trump, but actually to be pro-Biden, uh, because he embraces a, uh, an agenda and a vision for our country that is immigrant, that's pro-immigrant, and his Latino agenda in particular is actually, um, is really excellent. So I think as folks hear and learn more about his policies, um, there'll be more. I expect that there will be a lot more support for him. When you say they don't know much about him, I mean, the guy's been around for 40, 50 years. Is that is that mostly because, uh, why, why do they not know about him? I, I know mostly he ran in the in the primary as I'm not Donald Trump. He didn't, it wasn't a lot of policy stuff until recently. Is that is that part of it or, or what's up with that? I think, you know, I think it's a combination of, I'm, I'm thinking more about his past, even prior to uh, the current presidential run um, as vice president or, you know, in when he was in the Senate, um, you know, he was not, didn't have much of a, a like a, a public presence um, in the same way, obviously, that lots of Latinos know who Obama is and they know he was his vice president. Um, but I think, you know, in recent weeks um, and months is I think now as the, the expected uh, candidate for the Democratic Party in the general election, um, we're starting to hear much more directly. And he has hired now many more staff um, that are um, high level staffers that are Latinos. And so that will also, those all of those surrogates and all of those messengers, so to speak, are reaching out directly to the Latino community as well. 
So let's talk about the <clears throat> Unity Task Force that you that you mentioned, you alluded to earlier. You were this is by, by Unity. Uh, we should say this is bringing together the Joe Biden uh, crew and the Bernie Sanders crew, trying to unite and uh, trying to find some common policy ground between the two camps, two wings of the Democratic Party. Um, and then we talked for the other day, and you, as you said, you co-chaired the Unity uh, Unity Team's immigration uh, group. Um, and we talked the other day for a story in the Chronicle, and you said that initially Joe Biden probably started off feeling that comprehensive immigration reform was the silver bullet that solves all the immigration problems. That's the default for most Democrats. But as we saw in his in his plan that he rolled out today, and 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 uh, from and also which is based primarily on the Unity Group's plan, uh, that's changed. He's uh, going to do something different when he, if he. Uh, becomes president. Um, it's he's not going to do comprehensive immigration reform. And I think at first blush, people are going to say, "What? He's not going to do comprehensive immigration reform?" But he's going to do something a little bit different here, and he's he's going to he's going to prioritize a, a roadmap for citizenship, as he says in his plan today, um, for people for immigrants who register up to date with their taxes and have passed the background check. But explain to us what's different about the Biden approach should he become president. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things that I would say about that, Joe, is that um, the Biden approach um, that we put forth in and that he has now fully embraced and is part of the incorporated into this Latino agenda um, is actually much more comprehensive than past efforts at comprehensive immigration reform were in the sense that he provides both a roadmap to citizenship for uh, the 11 million uh, teachers, parents, mother, DACA recipients, all of the people who are part of our communities and part of our families that have been on the margins, that have not been recognized by the law, despite the fact that the majority of undocumented immigrants have been in the United States for over a decade. Um, this is their home, their taxpayers, their students, their workers, their small business owners even, right? Um, so he puts them on this roadmap to citizenship. But in addition to that, he's actually looking at the structural issues and changes that are needed to the immigration system as a whole. And that is a combination of, you know, a, a number of different things. So um, the uh, task force recommendations included, um, you know, this notion of um, righting the wrongs and undoing the harm of both the Trump administration and past uh, administrations as well. Um, and that includes, um, for example, making sure that when he is elected president, um, Joe Biden as president would immediately undo and rescind some of the most dangerous policies that the current administration, the Trump administration, has put in place through executive authority. That includes everything from um, reinstating DACA, for example. It means rescinding the public charge rule, which limits immigrants from getting a green card if they have been, um, if they themselves received certain health, um, health, nutrition, and housing assistance, although they're legally eligible for those as a lawfully present person. Um, it, they re, he would rescind the travel bans that particularly impact the Muslim community, the Muslim ban, there's an African ban, there's a health ban. So really undoing so much of the cruel and uh, harsh policies that we've seen under the Trump administration. But then he would go further than that, right? He um, is talking about making sure that the there is a path that, that the his administration would undo 
um, for example, the backlogs that have to do that, that have created family separation, right? For families who, and in the Bay Area, for example, we have lots of uh, families, uh, Filipino uh, or, or other uh, Asian Pacific Islanders who have a really long waiting period um, to be reunited with their family members, being able to undo some of that. So it really takes a much more comprehensive approach to what can be done only by Congress, by law, but what can his administration do through executive action? And then what are the things that different federal agencies can do as well um, to ensure that we have a much more uh, progressive agenda where immigrants can not only survive, but thrive in our country? And unsaid, but implicit in what he's proposing here is we, we don't care if Republicans are on board with us on this. We, we tried to give him a, a chance in the past. And uh, by saying, OK, we'll trade you maybe more border security for a path to citizenship, there's there's no uh, tell me if I'm wrong here, but it doesn't look like uh, Biden's going to wait around and try and, and gather uh, the votes for, um, for, to, for Republican votes to, to get something passed for a, a path to citizenship. That's right. I think that that's one of the biggest lessons learned from the Obama administration and from the current uh, dysfunction of Congress, which is so much of it. So much of the legislative agenda in terms of providing immigrants with a path to citizenship requires um, both Democrats and Republicans to be willing to come to the table and actually enact legislation. Um, as we're seeing right now, for example, even with the stimulus package, we have US citizens, we have workers in the country who, are, who have now lost their unemployment benefits and still Congress can't even step up to the plate and lead and make sure that all of our workers have the economic supports that they need. And so, yeah, a Biden administration recognizing that yes, there are things that only Congress can do, but that there is so much that can be done through executive action, um, and, and that includes some of the things that I mentioned. I think the other piece for Biden in particular, um, given his uh, strong connection and understanding of the important role of workers and labor unions, is there's some very strong labor protections uh, in the, um, the, the task force on immigration that we put forth that he has adopted, which includes recognizing that immigrant workers actually need to be protected because that means that if an employer can get away with exploiting an, immig an immigrant worker, the employer is the one who's depressing working conditions and wages for all workers. All workers lose when undocumented workers are not protected. And uh, some of the policies uh, include making sure that those workers could come forward and um, serve as a whistleblower, right? If they've been retaliated against by an, uh, an abusive employer, they can collaborate with the government um, as a whistleblower and get protection, right? They can get deferred action, get that And this, this is new, correct? This is new, this has not never happened before, correct? That's correct, that is correct. And, and there's both the administrative part of it and then his uh, platform does also say that he is supportive of the Power Act, which is a bill that has been pending in Congress for a number of years that we worked on over the years that um, the great Representative Judy Chu from Southern California is one of the co-sponsors on the House side. How, how much does it hurt that Biden uh, is, is still among uh, some uh, Latinos uh, associated with Obama, as you alluded to before? Uh, many still think of Obama as the deporter in chief. And right before the South Carolina primary this year, uh, someone asked Biden if he would stop all deportations. He said, no, I'm not going to stop. I will not. He said, this is a quote. No, I will not stop all deportations. I will prioritize deportations. Only people who have committed a felony or a serious crime. What, are you OK with that? And, and, uh, and, and is that something that's still holding them back? 
So a couple of things. One is, um, I think early on in the primaries where he was asked quite a bit about that, um, he, he fumbled, right? He wasn't, uh, didn't have the answer for that. And eventually, he Bidened, as we say, like he, to say. Yeah, and eventually he actually <laughs> did recognize that that was a mistake. Um, and I think it specifically may have even been during an interview with Jorge Ramos of Univision. Um, and so my, you know, my sense of him, Joe, is that, and of his campaign, is that he's listening. He's listening. He is um, now recognizing, I think, COVID and the economic crisis have really um, taken a toll on him and on all of us. And I think he's recognizing and he talks about really wanting to see himself as a transition president, right? Someone who is really coming forward with, um, I mean, my understanding is that he literally has said um, that he wants to be the most progressive uh, administration since FDR and really understands he's going to have to evolve on that. On the deportations in particular, um, even before the task force on immigration started our work, he had already shifted to um, calling for a moratorium on deportation for the first 100 days um, of his administration. And what we did on the task force was saying, okay, there's a moratorium on deportations, but let's make sure that during that period of time, the administration is doing a deep dive and, and studying um, all of the different ways that the Immigration Customs Enforcement Agency, ICE, and the Border Patrol Agency, all of the reforms that are needed, and have that then be the new agenda that helps shape the rest of the administration. Additionally, I would say that I think some of us would want the moratorium to be not just for 100 days, but frankly, it should be until there is some kind of legalization program that allows um, that allows for people to, a little bit of a leveling of the field, so to speak, right, that until um, we have some of those uh, protections in place for people. They shouldn't be subjected to deportation, um, but we'll, we'll have to see how that actually gets implemented under a Biden administration. Uh, speaking of Biden being the most progressive uh, person, uh, president uh, ever, the Trump campaign has seized upon this. I, have you seen this new Spanish language ad that I think it dropped yesterday, right before we're recording this? It's called Progresista. And please excuse my Spanish. And it has that was a, actually good. That was that was a pretty okay. All right, good. My my daughter won't give me grief about that. Who's a, a fluent <laughs> Spanish speaker? Uh, uh, and and it has a um, it has a montage of it has first has Biden saying I will be the most progressive president in history, and then um, it has a montage of of Venice, former Venezuelan uh, President Hugo Chavez and and Fidel Castro, and uh, former uh, Colombian presidential candidate uh, Gustavo Petro. Um, uh, saying that they are also progressives uh, and, and and extolling the virtues of progressivism, Th does that resonate with anyone? Uh, who and know. who does it resonate with, or is that just uh, where, where does that go? Say, I think it, it. I I don't know who it resonates with. I mean, I think it resonates with folks who may not know anything about Latin America. Um, or who aren't able to distinguish between what a progressive in the United States is um, and, um, you know, progressives in other in other countries, particularly throughout Latin America. I look, Joe Biden. Joe Biden is not even Bernie Sanders, right? Joe Biden yeah. is not Elizabeth <laughs> Warren, right? So yes. it's all. It, there's a spectrum, and yes, Joe Biden is moving more and more to a progressive place, and I think it's because the public health crisis and the economic crisis and the witnessing of racial injustices and continued racial violence against black and brown people in this country have made him realize that 
we're in a different moment in history um, that whether it's him or frankly, I think any of the other Democratic candidates who were in the primaries probably would be in the same place. And you know what? Everyone is more progressive than Donald Trump. At the end of the day, even any of the other Republican candidates probably would also be blamed for being put over the seats. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Karen Bass, of course, who's on a Biden's shortlist. She's the head of the Congressional Black Caucus, a congresswoman from Los Angeles for a, a decade. She's already getting hit with oppo research. She hasn't even been, been uh, named a vice president yet, uh, vice presidential nominee. And uh, for her many visits to Cuba, going back 40 years, and for calling uh, Castro Comandante and Jefe and a condolence message to the Cuban people after Castro died uh, about four years ago. Again, does that, does that go anywhere or is that purely for older voters in, in Florida, perhaps, and maybe Texas uh, of, of Cuban descent who, who left uh, after Castro took over? And, and yeah, who, who, who I, does that really resonate don't. with? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's expected, right? We would expect that of the Trump administration and probably uh, you know, any, anyone else who is running um, on the other side. Um, I think in this moment, Joe, in this moment in history when Congress has just appropriated trillions of dollars, right? Historic level of spending. Um, when we're seeing the need, you know, there's now what used to be on the margins in this country of, you know, whether it's universal basic in income, whether it's the green, you know, Green New Deal, um, whether it's about police reforms and investing, you know, divesting from police and militarization and investing in education and in healthcare, et cetera. That, that, that is what is needed in this moment. And so that is both what Joe Biden is doing, but that's frankly what every Democratic candidate could be doing. And it's actually what, what Republicans, some Republicans um, are also doing. They're recognizing that this is a moment when government needs to take care of its people and that the only way we're going to emerge from this crisis that we're in right now is by taking care of all of us, including immigrants. And so I, you know, I just think, look, that oppo research and all of those ads, um, there's a lot of money being, you know, a lot of money will be spent on that. Um, I don't think they will be effective. I think Americans see through that um, and see that we are in a moment in which we absolutely need a much stronger safety net. Um, they can call it, they can label it whatever they want, but at the end of the day, that is what the majority of Americans not only need, but support for that. We'll be back with more of my conversation with Marielena and Capie after this short break. And now here's more of my conversation with Marielena and Capie. So Trump won last time with a, with a very nativist message, as we know, called for building the wall, clamping down immigration. Your organization has recently done a, a lot of, um, polling of undecided voters in, I think it was at seven battleground states. And you found that a pro-immigration message, a more, much more positive message, uh, definitely works uh, among voters in those states. And many of these are, are Midwestern states that where, that where Trump's message resonated. Tell us a little bit about what your polling found. Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, we at the National Immigration Law Center have been for decades working on legal and policy advocacy uh, for low-income immigrants in our nation. And what this current administration has done is shown us that it is not sufficient for us to engage in litigation against the Trump administration. Um, it is not sufficient for us to uh, try to enact progressive policies in California or in any other state that we actually also 
um, need to engage in the electoral and political process. And so as an immigrant myself from Colombia and as an immigrant-led organization, we felt that it was really necessary um, to engage and to um, really develop a pro-immigrant vision for America that celebrates the role of immigrants and the role that we play in our country that demonstrates to candidates and to campaigns that they not only do not have a choice to talk about immigrants and immigration, given that this is Trump's signature policy agenda and it's really his go-to play, he will always continue to attack immigrants as a scapegoat and as a way to frankly, to um, distract voters from his failed leadership. But what we found was that actually pro-immigrant, um, a pro-immigrant agenda actually is a winning agenda. And uh, we engaged in polling research in battleground states of persuadable voters uh, that are likely voters um, that really showed um, that in fact that our hypothesis was right, that people, hung people are hungry for a, uh, a progressive uh, agenda for the country and an inclusive agenda for the country, including immigrants as well. What would an example of one of those messages be that that Biden, you know, if he if he was had a had a bold approach and used this message, what would it what would it sound like? Yeah, so I'd say a couple of things um, before the specific one on Biden. Um, the you know the main takeaways from our research were three. One is that the first and most effective positive message was highlighting the need for leadership that unites us. Um, and that stands in sharp contrast to what Trump continues to do um, and to offer to this group of persuadable voters. Um, and that's not surprising given how divided the country is right now and the, again, COVID and the economic crisis. Um, so that first top most effective message is really one of um, unity, which I do believe the Biden campaign has been using very effectively. Second, um, the other takeaway was that pro-immigrant messages about building an economy that gives everyone, including immigrants, a fair shot and gives everyone the opportunity to thrive tested very positively with these persuadable voters. And that is actually one of the places where I do believe that Vice President Biden has leaning in and has started to embrace some of that language. Um, yeah, a, a lot of his a lot of his message, a lot of, excuse me for interrupting, but the, a lot of his uh, his plan that was, again, just dropped hours ago before we were recording this, it's a lot of it is about economic opportunity. And that's reflective of what you're hearing. Or, or yes, polling. absolutely. It was, it was really great to see that reflected in the Latino agenda. Um, and I think it's for, important for a couple of reasons. One is um, one of the concerns that we have had historically is that oftentimes political candidates equate immigration with Latinos, when in fact, there are immigrants who are Black immigrants, whether it's from Africa or the Afro-Caribbean nations, who are Asian Pacific Islanders, right, who are Muslims. Um, it, immigrants and Latinos are not the same, right? Immigrants are extremely diverse set of communities. On the other hand, the Latino community has many interests, including immigration. Some people are second, third generation. Immigration is not the top of their priorities. Economics, just like every uh, every other American voter, people are concerned about economics, and I think particularly in this time. And so it was really great to see that the Latino agenda um, does provide a, a broad spectrum of priorities for the Latino community that is very much grounded in both economic opportunities, but also educational opportunities and health equity, um, which were also part of that agenda that was rolled out today. Uh, let's talk about uh, DACA. Um, a lot of immigration advocates uh, like like yourself and your organization said thought they had a recent win at the Supreme Court uh, a few weeks back. 
But just last week, before recording this, the Department of Homeland Security uh, Interim Chief Chad Wolf said the department is, quote, considering to thoughtfully consider the future of DACA policy, including whether to fully rescind the program. And and so the, and so the, a lot of the things they're talking about, there's concern that this is Wolf speaking, that the existence of a program like DACA may encourage individuals to take a perilous journey to this country, needlessly endangering children. As we've said, uh, Biden in his, in said he wants to reinstate DACA, but if you know if he loses uh, in the fall, uh, then it's a different story. Where is DACA right now, and what are your concerns about the future of the program? Yeah, so the first thing that I'll say is, you know, we are deeply, deeply honored to have had represented um, immigrant youth with DACA, so DACA recipients, um, all the way up to the Supreme Court. We filed. Um, our lawsuit within three hours of when Trump announced the termination of the program back in September of 2017. And these young immigrants courageously decided to take on the Trump administration. And um, we were really excited to have won back at the end of June, but we knew that it was a temporary victory. Um, and we knew that because Trump has made clear, um, although he has sent lots of mixed messages and, and confusing uh, has made confusing statements about DACA and DACA recipients, he's made clear and he basically is appealing to his base. And so last week's announcement where they once again um, basically are made clear that they're terminating the DACA program and that that is their intention, they put DACA on the ballot. That That is the upshot is that where DACA is now is that the future of DACA recipients is on the ballot this November. Um, it raises the stakes even more um, look, DACA recipients are Americans who need to be recognized by the law. This is their home. They've been here for most of their entire life. They came when they were children, just like I came. The difference between DACA recipients and myself is that my family and I came from Colombia at a time when the immigration laws were different and the immigration laws actually provided a path to citizenship. Like we were able to come with green cards and get and become eventual citizens. Um, that's not the case for DACA recipients and their families. There is no way. Um, and so the, the stakes are so high, Joe, uh, for this November and Trump with every attack um, he makes today, he, he made additional comments about census, for example, like every single anti-immigrant attack is a reminder to immigrant families and to all of us who are naturalized citizens or who, who have loved ones who are immigrants that we must come out to vote in November for all of those DACA recipients who don't yet have the right to vote. And uh, one last thing on, I know, again, uh, we're just seeing the, the Biden plan on uh, for uh, Latinos. Is there anything there that you are concerned about or you would still like to see him talk about more? You know, I didn't do a full analysis of the rest of the agenda. Um, I, you know, I did skim the immigration, as I mentioned, the immigration uh, part of the Latino agenda is very much mirrors what we developed at the um uh, when I was co-chairing the task force on immigration, my sense is that that's probably true for the other sections on the economy. And so, yeah, I, at this moment, because I haven't read the rest of the agenda fully, I, I can't really opine on that. But, um, but again, what I will say is that what Vice President Biden is putting forth is a stark contrast to Trump's agenda for America. Um, he consistently has shown us both, not just on immigration, but frankly, uh, in many ways that he really only cares about two things, himself 
and secondly, about restricting and redefining America only for the wealthy and the white. Um, the majority of Americans oppose that view of our country. That is not who we are or who we want to become um, as America. And so we have an opportunity in November uh, to make Donald Trump a one-term president and to ensure that we can do the hard work of undoing the harms under his administration and rebuilding our nation and unifying our nation so that we actually have a country that is inclusive, where everybody gets to belong and we can do the hard work of healing and becoming America. Marielena Incapier, thank you so much for being on It's All Political. Thank you so much, Joe. Wonderful to talk with you. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Great. Take good care. Right. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that your family is safe and healthy. I'd like to thank Maria Elena for joining us today. I'd like to thank the King, King Kaufman, for producing today's episode. And a shout out to our great theme music. That's Cattle Call, written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crow Song. And remember, no matter whether you're a progressive or a progressista, todo es político.